Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions podcast, where every day we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential. You can check us out at bwcdaily.com. On this show, we feature celebrity interviews as well as experts and leaders in fields like business, marketing, sales, branding, and mindset. Our goal is to give you a seat at the table to listen in on conversations with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who are doing the things you know you can do and reaching the levels you know you can reach. So get ready to be motivated and inspired and grab your seat at the table for the Breakfast with Champions podcast. And don't forget to check us out at bwcdaily.com. The definition of preparation is the action or process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration. So what preparation is an offspring of discipline. Disciplined people are usually prepared ahead of time for any situation and people who are disciplined usually value being prepared. The reason why preparation is a separation is because most people fail to prepare. And as the saying goes, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And the reason it's a separation is since most people don't do it, you can easily separate yourself from the masses of people by taking the extra step and having the discipline to prepare ahead of time for any situation that you're going to be involved in. That's what all professionals do. It's one of the reasons why they're professionals, i.e. they get paid, is because they're usually prepared ahead of time for their situation. And because you're prepared, you can be consistent. Your performance is consistent. People know what to expect from you. You know what to expect from yourself. And that preparation allows you to separate from the masses of amateurs out there even people there's some people who get paid who are still amateur because they just show up and wing it but true professionals are always prepared ahead of time of the situation and as i just gave the the background on this is again the action or process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration now the dictionary definition of a professional is a person who does something as their main paid occupation so if you're getting paid and that's the main way you make money you are technically a professional at xyz whatever the thing is but i add on to that here at work on your game we add on to that definition i'm not going against the definition but adding on is that in order to do something as your main paid occupation well let's think about it as consumers we don't usually pay for surprises we don't pay for randomness we usually pay for things because we know what we're going to get Think about when uh, the Wi-Fi at your home stops working for five minutes. We all get pissed, right? You get pissed. You're calling it the company. You're sending tweets. You're posting mad Facebook status updates. Like, why is the Wi-Fi not working? Why? Because you pay for it. Now, whatever you're paying every month for that Wi-Fi, you expect it to work all the time because you're paying for it. And anything that you consistently pay for, as soon as it isn't working, you're angry as hell and you're causing a ruckus over the fact that it's not delivering the way that it's supposed to deliver because as consumers we unconsciously expect anything that is paid for to always work over and over and over again so in order to be a professional and do something as your main paid occupation since most employers and most consumers are not going to keep paying you if you're doing stuff randomly they're going to pay when you're delivering consistently this is why preparation is a part of being a professional all professionals, again, are usually ready ahead of time for a situation. So any of you who's a salesperson, you don't just show up to a sales call knowing nothing about your prospect or knowing nothing about your product or how you're going to talk about it or what the common objections are to buying your thing. You already know that. You already did that homework up front. As a professional athlete, we didn't come into the games knowing nothing about our opponents or knowing nothing about the, the venue or what was happening. We knew exactly what we were going to do before the game began. There's a game plan. 
All right. We plan ahead of time for what we're going to do. And any of you have been to a, a job interview, for example, usually we do some research on the company, do some research on the person who is interviewing you. You do some you have some idea of they're going to ask you how much money do you expect to make? Or at least they offer you the job. You have an idea how you're going to answer that question. You probably have some questions you're going to ask them. These are all things that we do ahead of time. These are what professionals. These are things that professionals do. So I'm going to go into three reasons three things that make the preparation the separation. Okay, so point number one, when you are prepared, you grant yourself peace of mind. This is the best thing about being prepared is peace of mind that you already know what's coming, even if you're prepared for something that you don't want. All right, any of you ever did something that you knew you didn't want to do or something that you kind of hate doing, but you knew you had to go through it, but you were prepared for it. Even mentally preparing for something that you know you don't like makes it a little bit easier to deal with. Seneca talked about this in his book. He has a book called Letters from a Stoic. And Seneca was a, um, I, don't, I don't remember what country Seneca was from, but he wrote all these letters and he's basically um, looked at as kind of like the father of this uh, movement of Stoicism. And I know a lot of people write about it these days, like Ryan Holiday and others. But Seneca was the one who wrote the, the original book on Stoicism or what became the book on Stoicism. It was his letters compiled into a book. And one of the things that he said is that which has been long expected comes more gently. So even if it's something that you don't like, for example, any of you ever been in an ice bath or you ever took a cold shower or anything that is physically uncomfortable, but you do it anyway because you see that there's some positive benefit to it. Or those of you may not like working out, but you know, when you go to the gym, your trainer's going to have you doing burpees. And if any of you do CrossFit and you're doing all those repetitions, you know, it's going to kick your ass, but you know, it's coming. All right, you're already thinking about it. It's easier to deal with something when you are mentally prepared for it. The more prepared you are for anything that's coming in your life, the more easily you can handle that thing. So in school, for example, if you studied for the test, isn't it easier to take the test than if you didn't study for the test and you don't know any of the material? Of course it is. This is the reason why we study for tests. This is the reason why if you ever run a, a marathon or a half marathon or a 10K, maybe some of you even a 5K, if you trained for the race, it's easier to run the race because you are prepared ahead of time for what you're going to do. When I come on here and do these segments in BWC, the reason why I can smoothly talk about my topics and even by accidentally tell you about the next topic before it even comes is because I'm prepared ahead of time. I already have all my topics laid out. So even though I only planned, I only expected rather is a better way of saying it to do one segment here today. Since there's some space here, I'm ready to do another segment because I'm already prepared ahead of time for more than I need to be doing. And that's another thing that I'll tell you is the peace of mind comes from you being over prepared for what you need to do. So anyone who's in the sports realm, you know, one of the things that we like to do in sports or I like to do, let me just speak for myself as an athlete is I always like to overtrain for whatever I was about to do, not overtrain the bad way, but in a good way. So, for example, my sport was basketball. And even if you don't play sports, everybody knows what a basketball court looks like, right? It's a flat surface. It's hardwood and it's about 94 feet in length and 50 feet wide. The thing is, when I would train, sometimes I would train running on inclines. So I would run up hills or I would get on a treadmill and I would put the treadmill on a, an incline and I would practice running on an incline. But the thing is, on a basketball court, there is never there's never a time in a basketball game you will need to go uphill ever. But if you train to run uphill, then you get on the court and it's all flat. It's a lot easier. 
is the same thing if you see somebody with a, a weighted vest on. I don't know if any of you ever seen somebody working out and they have a vest on. The vest has weights in it. So it's like they put extra 20 or 30 pounds on their body. Now, you shouldn't do that all the time because it can start to mess you up. But if you could do it sometimes and you get used to carrying an extra 30 pounds and you take that 30 pounds off, right, it feels super right. And in basketball, there's this ball called the heavy ball, which is a, a normal looking basketball. If you pick it up, you realize it, it weighs three times as much as a basketball. So it's like dribbling a medicine ball, but it bounces like a basketball. So you practice dribbling and shooting that. And then you go to the regular basketball. The regular basketball feels like a tennis ball in your hands. So these are kind of the things that you can do to kind of be more ready than the situation that's coming up. Any of you who is a really good student in school, which I cannot speak on, but if you were a really good student in school, you over-prepared for the test. So you knew all the answers. You knew every answer to the test. You're getting A's on all your tests, and you were even prepared for stuff that wasn't even on the exam. That's being overprepared, and it gives you peace of mind when you already know what's coming, even if it's something that you don't want to do, but you know it's coming, it's much easier to deal with. Second point, we're talking how preparation is a separation, is when you prepare ahead of time, you are more ready than your competition. Because again, as I told you, most people don't do the work to prepare, even those who have the title of professional. The way things break down in life is basically 5, 15, 80. That's the breakdown in life. I don't know if any of you have ever heard um, Earl Nightingale. He talked about this. It might have been in The Strangest Secret, but it might have been in one of his other tapes. I think it was the one called Lead the Field. He talks about this. He says that if you look at the, if you were to follow, and they, the Social Security Administration started doing this back in the, uh, before my time, like back in Earl Nightingale's time, they would follow adults from the time they entered the workforce until retirement age, which back then was around age 65. I know these days some people are working longer than that, but they would fi follow people from around age 18 to age 65. And by the age of 65, here's how things will break down. 1% of people will be rich. 4% would be financially well off, not rich, but well off. 15% would still be working. So there's your 5 and 15%. So well off and rich was 5%. 15% was still working. The other 80% were either dead, broke, or dependent on the government or family for their financial needs. 80%. 15% still working, 5% taken care of financially based on their own efforts. And this is pretty much how all of life breaks down. And it goes right back to that 80-20 rule, Pareto's principle. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to tell you this, no matter what level you're at, every level you go to, this 80-20 rule breaks out. And it's the 5-15-50 rule breaks out. You got 5% of people are gonna be exceptional. 15% will be good enough slash adequate. Another 80% are the jerk offs, are pretty much not getting anything done, even though they have access to the information and they, and they quote unquote know what they're supposed to be doing. This breaks out in anything that you do. It applied in sports when I played, it applies in business, it applies at school, it applies in anything that you do. So if you simply have the discipline to prepare and be more ready than your prepare and just be ready for what is ahead. You'll be more ready than most of your competition just by simple mathematics. 80% of your competition is not going to do the preparation work, period. So if you prepare, you're already ahead of 80% of them. So you're really only competing against 20% of people. This is pretty much how it works. Uh, what I call this is the separation day. I talk about this in uh, one of my books called The Third Day. The separation day is simply think about when you, what's an example I can use? I'll use, let's just say the gym. All right, that's a simple one that 
And two weeks, those of you who are normal gym users, you know what happens two weeks from now, right? Two weeks from now, you go to the gym, it's going to be crowded. And you're like, where the hell did all these people come from? Because at the beginning of the year, everybody's excited to come to the gym. And the thing is, an interesting uh, fact that a lot of people don't know is that if everyone who actually paid for a membership to your gym used it three times a week, then the gym probably couldn't operate the way that it does because the fire marshal will be shutting it down. There'd be too many people there. Most of the money that gyms make come from people who are paying but not actually coming into the facility. But anyway, here's the reason I'm bringing that up. So the first that first week or two, let's say the first 10 days of 2023, the gym is going to be super crowded. It's going to be a bunch of people in there all excited, working out. Personal trainers are going to be making a lot of money. Everybody's going to be all excited. And you're going to be the regulars, those of us who are still going to the gym now. We're going to be really annoyed because there's no elbow room in the gym. That's about the first 10 days. Then through the rest of January, let's say like the last three weeks of January, there's still going to be a, more people than usual. You're going to see some new faces in there, but some of the people who came in with that first 10 day burst, a lot of them, some of them are going to disappear, but there's still going to be a, a good number of new faces in the gym at that point. Then by around, by around Valentine's day, by around day. No, Valentine's day, president's day. day, they still call it that by middle of February, day. it's going to be right back to the same people who are in there right now. All right. That's what we call the third day. I just separated them into thirds. All right. The first 10 days, the next three weeks. And then by about six weeks, it's right back to the same people who are in there right now working out the, the day after Christmas. It's going to be the same folks. And the separation day is every time you show up on that, that moment when nobody else really wants to show up, nobody else feels like coming to the gym. Like right now, it's probably going to be the quietest week of the year in the gym right now, this week. Because a bunch of people getting ready for holidays and it's almost Christmas. And, you know, this is still pretty much a full work week for most people, but it's pretty quiet. I was in the gym this morning. It was pretty quiet in there. This is the separation day. When you show up, but your competition doesn't show up, you create a small amount of separation between you and them. And the separation is so small, however, that you can't tangibly measure it. You can't really see it. It doesn't really make a big difference. Like if there's somebody in the gym who is in way better shape than you and they didn't come, they don't come to the gym all this week and you go to the gym every day this week, or you're not all of a sudden going to be in better shape than them at the end of the week. You know, that's not going to happen. But if you keep showing up and every time that they don't show up, there's a small amount of that gap that gets closed, just a small amount. But those small amounts start adding up like the waves of the ocean beating against the rocks eventually turns it into sand. Slowly, you start to close that gap till maybe you and them become even and then you start to separate from them. That's what happens over time. But this is a discipline because it takes time for this to play out. And on a day by day basis, there's nothing to measure. But over time, this does actually play out. But you have to have the discipline of staying prepared and continuing to show up consistently to make this work. That's the small gap that you either create if you're already equal with or ahead of somebody or the amount of gap that you close if somebody is ahead of you. So when you fail to prepare, again, as the cliche goes, you prepare to fail. So, for example, I'm sure many of you have seen the TV show Shark Tank, right? So on the show Shark Tank, what's the number one mistake that any of you who've seen it, when you see the, the bloopers on Shark Tank, what are, what's the number one mistake? Y'all see somebody put it in the comment section. I think everybody knows it. It's a three-word phrase that we all know if you've seen the show. What is that number one thing? Tara said three people in the gym with her this morning. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's exactly what I mean. And Eric just put the, the answer in there is that any of you who've seen the show, you know, the number one mistake that happens. And uh, they put this in there on purpose because it's entertaining when people flub this is not knowing their numbers. People get on Shark Tank. And I know people who have been on Shark Tank is that you 
find out the opportunity to be on the show. You put in this long application to go on the show. The company, the TV company, ABC, takes a percentage of your business for your right to be on the show. A lot of people don't know that. That's not including whatever deal you do if you get a deal done. Then you get to be in the tank, present your business to these sharks, and possibly get a business deal. And you don't even know the numbers when they start asking you things like, well, what's the lifetime value of a customer? How much does it cost you to acquire a customer? You know, how much are you generating? And they ask these basic business questions that anyone want to know if they're going to put money into your business. And people don't know the answer. They have failed to prepare. So they're preparing themselves to get clowned on TV because they didn't even do the simple preparation work. So I remember there was a company who had got funded on Shark Tank. I don't remember who this was. This was years back. But there was a guy who would do a he had like a, it was either a podcast or a YouTube. This is maybe 10 years ago. And anytime someone went on Shark Tank, he would contact them and he would ask them to be interviewed about the experience of being on Shark Tank. So there was these two guys who ran a business and they got funded on Shark Tank. They got a great deal and they were really happy, excited about their deal. And the host of the show asked them, how did you get ready to go on Shark Tank? And this is what the guy said. He said, what we did was we looked up every single episode in the history of Shark Tank and we wrote down every single question any shark had ever asked any participant on the show. Every question they had ever asked. We wrote them all down. And then we answered every question that was written down. We made sure we had answers to every question. And then we basically drilled and rehearsed answering every single question in the history of the show. So we knew when we got in the tank, no matter what they asked, we were ready for it. The only exception being that they asked a question they had never asked before. Now, at this point, this was like hundreds of questions they had asked. And this is just the stuff they show on TV. Is, uh, many people may not know that those those uh, interrogations when the participants go on the Shark Tank, sometimes those things can last hours. But they cut it all down for TV so it can fit into an hour-long TV show. But just the stuff that came on TV. They wrote down every single question, and then they just went back and forth asking them each other the question. All right, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they just got ready. So by the time they got in the tank, anything the sharks could ask, they were ready. So what did they do? This is what I talked about in the first point. They gave themselves peace of mind. So even though they're going on a TV show and these, there are these bright lights and they're getting in front of these sharks and they're getting grilled, they already knew what was going to happen. They already knew every single question. So they were already prepared ahead of time. Didn't necessarily guarantee they would get a deal because maybe their answers wouldn't be suitable for the sharks, but they ended up getting a deal. So I think that's part of the reason why they got it, because they did the work up front. They had an idea of every single question. So doing your homework, that's what we call doing your homework. This provides peace of mind and it separates you from those who didn't do their homework. This is And the doing your homework is simply the, prepar simply the preparation work. I remember being in college and I was in a, I took calculus in college uh, four different times. I registered for the class four times. I dropped it twice, failed it once, and I passed with a, a D as in A, B, C, D, D as, as a senior. And one of the reasons why I only passed with a D and failed it and dropped it the other two times is because I never did the homework. I never did the homework. I was not prepared ahead of time for those exams, and I barely scraped by to finally uh, graduate. I don't know why I had to pass calculus to get a business degree, but it's a different conversation for a different day. Let's move on to the third point. And the third point is we're talking about preparation is the separation. Third thing is psychic powers. Yeah, psychic powers like Dionne Warwick and uh, Miss Cleo. Psychic powers is when you are prepared, what you do is you give your mind a break. Your mind can take a, a little bit of a 
respite here. Why? Because a lot of what you're about to face, you're already ready for. So your brain is not racing, trying to figure out what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? No, what's going to happen next? You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about any of that because you've already done the work ahead of time. All the work has been done. So when you get into time to perform, whether that's a job interview, whether it's a sales call, whether it's a speech, whether it's a, a, a pitch, a presentation, whether it's stepping on to the stage at BWC, whatever it is that you're doing, basketball game, football game, soccer match, your brain is not worrying about what you're going to do or how you're going to handle it because the work was already done when you were doing your homework, when you were doing the preparation stuff. So now when it's time to perform, all you had to do is get yourself into your mental zone, whatever that happens to be for you, and you can just go off instinct, which is the best way to perform anyway. I always tell performers, if you're thinking during your performance, uh, something's not right. All right? Something, was, something was missed in your preparation time. I would tell athletes that all the time. As athletes would say to me, well, Jerry, what am I supposed to be thinking during the game? I said, nothing. You shouldn't be thinking anything at all. Just let your instincts take over because you already did the work, right? You already put your time in in the gym. You already worked on your game. You already practiced. All you got to do is let it go and everything's just going to go as it's supposed to. So when the thing happens, whatever it is, the situation, your mind doesn't have to go into overdrive, doesn't have to overassess anything. You're not overthinking. You don't become self-conscious. Why? Because you already did the work. Then, because your mind now has freedom to see the other stuff that's going on, it may notice things that you otherwise would not see. And that's how you get those, those moments of spontaneity in the middle of your presentation, because you're not thinking about what's going on. So it's like, I know we have many people who work as or have done professional speaking who are here in uh, Breakfast with Champions right now. Anytime you're giving a speech, if you know your speech, you're prepared ahead of time of everything that you're going to say. You already know your points. Maybe not. You're maybe not memorizing your speech word for word. I don't memorize mine. But when you get on the stage, if you already know your material and somebody they'll say something happens in the middle of your speech, the lights go off or the mic stops working or somebody asks a question and makes everybody laugh or a baby starts crying or somebody's cell phones go off. You can respond to that thing that happens in the moment and you can kind of work that into your presentation. And then after that diversion, you can go right back to your points without missing a beat. Why? Because you were prepared ahead of time. Now, if you're not prepared ahead of time and then you get on the stage and something happens, a baby cries or a phone rings or the lights go off or the fire alarm no sounds. Now you get all messed up because you weren't prepared enough to get back to your thing. I hope everybody understands what I'm saying there. So when the things happen, your mind has the space to deal with other stuff. So if I know my speech and then somebody, something happens, so let's say somebody's walking down the aisle and they trip, I can make fun of them tripping and go right back to my speech right? because my mind had the space to notice that. Whereas if I didn't know myself, my mind would be so focused on make sure I hit the next word, make sure I know the next word, make sure I know the next word that I'll miss the opportunity. So because your mind has that free space, it can notice things that otherwise it would not. So how do you, this is why, the better way of saying it. This is why we all get our best insights while we are falling asleep, maybe right when we wake up in the morning, maybe while we're showering, getting ready, getting dressed, maybe while we're driving to work, if we drive the same route every day, maybe while we're in the middle of uh, playing a sport, like doing a workout or something like that. Why do we get our best insights in those moments? The reason we get our best insights at those times is because your conscious mind at that time is able to take a little bit of a break because you're doing a routine activity that you've done so many so many times that your conscious mind doesn't have to think about what you're doing and because of that the subconscious mind now which speaks in a whisper can now reach you 
Whereas otherwise, when your conscious mind was talks in a conversational tone, a very loud conversational tone, usually your subconscious can't be heard over the conscious because the conscious just has a louder voice. But when your conscious mind is quiet, like you're falling asleep, you're waking up, you're driving, you're in the middle of a workout, you're taking a shower, your conscious mind doesn't have to do anything at those times because you're doing something that does so many times it can just, it kind of just relaxes or it takes a cigarette break. The subconscious mind now can get through to you. That's why you get insights at those times. But your subconscious can't get through to you when the conscious mind is being overworked. This is why preparation matters so much. So the more prepared you are for any situation that you are, that you know is coming, that's when you put your conscious mind to work. Let it do its job and get you ready. But then when you get into the situation, your conscious mind can just be quiet. It can go sit in the corner and be quiet. Now your subconscious can bring things to you that you otherwise wouldn't have come up with. This is how in the middle of a performance, you may see you as a performer yourself or maybe one of your favorite performers, athletes, this happens all the time, entertainers, like people who do live shows, speakers, singers, dancers, they do things in the middle of their performance and people are like blown away by this thing that they did, this improvisation that happens in the middle of a performance. How does that happen? Improvisation comes from the subconscious. It comes from the subconscious because they prepared so much that the conscious mind is not in the way. And conscious thinking is very fast, but subconscious thinking is even faster. Sub the subconscious is where your instincts come from. And the subconscious, again, cannot work when the conscious is in overdrive. The conscious gets in overdrive when we are, any of you understand the concept of self-consciousness? Self-consciousness is when we are thinking too much in the middle of when we're supposed to be executing, we're thinking. It's hard to execute and think at the same time. If you ever thought about it, next time you're executing on something, try to think about the exact things you're doing while you're doing them, you'll mess up. Any of you who's good on a keyboard, I'm sure many of us are good at typing on a keyboard. Next time you type on a keyboard, think about every single key that you're typing every time you type something and notice how you start messing up because the conscious mind gets in your way. The subconscious works better when the conscious is out of the way. This is why we prepare so the conscious mind can get out of the way and the subconscious can do what it does best. Your best insights, your best improvisations, those, those moments that happen in your life are all driven by the subconscious, but it cannot get through when the conscious is in the way. This is why preparation and routine help you get in better touch with your subconscious mind. All of our insights, all of our great ideas come from the subconscious but you have to give it space. And the only way you give the subconscious space is you got to shut up the conscious. And there's a few ways to shut up the conscious. Meditation is one, yoga is another, preparation is another. That's how you quiet it down. So let me recap these points and then we'll open the mic up again, see if we get some conversation going here. So topic once again was preparation is the separation. Preparation is the active process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration. It is an offspring of discipline. People who have Discipline value being prepared because of these reasons. Number one, peace of mind. Seneca said, what has long been expected comes more gently, even if it's something that you hate. As long as you know it's coming, it's easier to deal with. It's the surprises, it's the things that we hate that are surprises. Those are the ones that really throw us off. We know it's coming. I know I got to get in the ice tub. It doesn't bother me as much as if you surprise me with getting in the ice tub. In school, you study for the test, it's easier to pass the test. In sports, athlete who is prepared for the game plays better in the game. All right, a speaker who knows their speeches before they get on the stage does better in the speaking. Right, as simple as that. And people can read this off of you. They can read the confidence that comes off of you when you are fully prepared. I didn't add that as a point, but it could be a point is that your confidence is a lot higher when you're prepared because you're not overthinking how you're going to do because you already know how you're going to do because you already did it. 
You prepared ahead of time. Number two, you are more ready than your competition. In life, things always break out into the 80-20 rule and more specifically the 5-15-80 rule, 80-15-5 rule. 80% are going to be mediocre or worse. 15% are going to be pretty good. Uh, they're, they're adequate. And then 5% are going to be spectacular and above everybody else. You prepare, you're going to be in a 5%. Uh, you are basically separating yourself from the competition because most people just simply do not prepare. Even when they know they have an opportunity in front of them, they don't prepare. Now, how many times have you seen somebody on Shark Tank not know their numbers when uh, clearly you know they're going to ask these questions? The people who got these guys who got funded on Shark Tank went and wrote down every question in the history of the show and they prepared for every question in the history. So, the, of course, the 20 questions they got answered, they were ready for because they were ready for everything. When you're over prepared, not in a negative way, but overprepared in a positive way, you have peace of mind and confidence because you have already done the work ahead of time. Number three, you get psychic powers. When you're prepared, you give your mind a break, your conscious mind, because a lot of what you're about to face, you have already prepared for ahead of time. You expect it. So when it happens, your mind doesn't go on overdrive, assessing everything. Then your subconscious can give you insights, the same insights you get when you're in the shower or while you're driving to work or while you're falling asleep or while you're waking up. You can get those insights while you're wide awake and active if you are doing something that you have already prepared for ahead of time because you don't have to consciously think. This is why preparation and routine get you in better touch with your subconscious mind. This is why discipline matters so much. This is where the insights come from. The most insightful people are often people who are very disciplined. Not always, but often people who are very disciplined because those people prepare, they can shut up their conscious mind and the subconscious can now talk to you. Remember that the subconscious speaks in a whisper while the conscious mind speaks in a loud conversational tone. You cannot hear both at the same time. So one has to be quiet for the other one to speak. So with all that said, let me be quiet and let some of you speak. Who has a question, comment, anything you want to add to what we just talked about? Hey, Dre, this is Alicia. How are you this morning? Hey, Alicia, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks. Um, I wanted to really thank you for that segment. I think it was a blessing. Um, I've been, uh, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had my business for five and a half years. I've grown 140% this year, which I'm really proud of. Um, but I have a hard time keeping myself organized and also trying to calm that, um, that noise, that chaos in my head. You know, meditation, yoga has helped that I never really thought about it as the, I do plan, um, but I feel like I don't plan enough and just putting that into that perspective for me this morning was it's like a little like a little wake up call like you just switched like you just switched a little switch for me and I really appreciate that because it's been a um it's been a thing I've been working on and um you just really put it in such a way that it just made such sense to me and you really inspired me and helped me find a vehicle to be able to to help another segment of my my mindset so that way I can calm down and really excel at what I do so I, I just really want to thank you for that it was amazing thank you so much Excellent. Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate that feedback. And on the heels, on the lines of what you just said, that even talking about the like the meditation and the yoga, yes, those things can help get us get in touch with our subconscious. And the thing is, even meditation, what meditation is, is a practice. No, we call meditation a practice. The reason we call it a practice is because you are practicing quieting your mind so that when you get into the hectic stuff of the day-to-day -day activities, dealing with your kids and traffic and other people and your business and all this stuff, you practiced for 10 minutes or 30 minutes in the morning being quiet and calm so that when the hectic stuff happens, you already know how to be quiet and calm. That's the reason why we call it a practice and don't call it a science. So that's an, another a benefit of doing things like meditation. You're getting ready for what is actually going to be. So I appreciate you uh, saying that, Alicia. Thank you for sharing. Uh, who else would like to add anything? Hi, Dre. This is Monica. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. How are you? 
Great. Thank you. Um, you were touching on kind of bumping right up against the topic we talked about this morning in my 5 a.m. segment, um, which was mental rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And I attacked it from a very specific strategy of uh, this thing that we call WHOOP. It's an, it's an acronym. And it's essentially looking down the road to find and identify and in your mind mitigate possible obstacles that could get between you and your goal. So you have your, your, you know, your goal, but then asking yourself, well, what could possibly get in my way and pre-thinking, pre-visioning, pre-imagining you, how will you handle it? And then actually imagining yourself handling it over in, in your mind. And if there's two or three things that could get in your way, you could do that too. Because to your point, if the first time you're thinking about a situation is when you're in that situation, the way you respond will not be the best that you could be. But if you've pre-decided and you've pre-put yourself in that situation way in advance, by the time that situation shows up, if it ever does show up, you have already rehearsed it and you already know what to do. So this is such an alignment with, with how we open today. And you know, it's so amazing to me how Breakfast with Champions um, things end up like that, where things just magically line up, the topics magically line up with no input whatsoever. Um, but it also reminds me of um, the, when we hear about when Tiger Woods was training and his dad was his his coach and he, his dad would, you know, stand by and make noise and fiddle with candy wrappers and, you know, jingle change in his pocket because he wanted to put him in this training environment that would simulate the difficulties he might encounter in an actual performance environment. And so, man, I just always love your segment so much. And I really appreciate you bringing this one up today. Thanks. Great minds think alike, Monica. So that's why we were, we were aligned. Even though I hadn't, hadn't heard yours, you didn't know mine was coming, but these principles of success are universal and we just find different ways to disseminate them. We, kind of have different reasons for sharing them. They come from different angles, but we all end up in the same place. So it makes perfect sense. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, uh, who else would like to add anything? Questions, comments? Morning. Morning. Who's that? It's Khalil. Hey, Khalil. Hey, Dre, you have no idea how much I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak here. One thing I just, uh, one thing, this, this speech here, basically whatever you say in this room today it's aligned what do you say the other day about being a robot and uh mm-hmm. that's basically lined up with process that we have and we have to do i'm in the car sales and really this is you have to do everything every day the same way because if you miss any beat you lose so basically this aligns exactly with being a robot and have a process and will follow through and do not fail in that because the process will never fail and I'm complete. Thank you. hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that, Quill. Uh, anybody else want to add something here? I'll, I can do a, we'll talk a little bit more about preparation, but uh, anybody else want to add a question, any question, comment, anything? I'll talk a little bit more. If not, I have a quick question. I got the end of your segment, but just from the topic, I sure. love the, um, talking about your identity. And I see your program here, spend two days, come up with a clear plan, action plan. I'm finding from myself, Dre, that I feel I'm transitioning, transforming, morphing into, I don't want to say a different person, but a higher person of myself. And for example, I'm a fitness professional, but I have so many things. And I'm just curious. It's a little scary 
because I feel my superpower is my energy, you know, tapping into that, which is supporting women that have gone through a trauma or tragedy. And I wanted to know when these feelings come of somewhat imposter syndrome, like, can I really do this? Is this possible? Do you have a tip to push through those scary moments? Besides going to your two-day Miami event <laughs> that I can do right now, I tapped into your. Well, that was that. That would be my first answer, but yes, I actually have a, I have a whole a segment. I think I've done it here on BWC in the past on how to handle imposter syndrome. But if I haven't, I'll probably do that in the future. But uh, the number one thing I'll tell you is is that that was Stars Tina, right? Yes, it was. All right, Tina. So the number one thing is that you've already done the work. And the thing about imposter syndrome is when it usually happens when we're looking at our outcomes and our outcomes are at a higher level than where we see ourselves. So since you know that you've already done the work, you've already done the, the preparatory work and you've done the performance work, because that's the only way you got outcomes to have you thinking that maybe you're, hey, am I actually this good? is to look at your resume and look at the work that you've done. Look at the things that you've done up to this point And you have to really start changing the way that you're seeing yourself in the mirror. And I'm a big proponent of mindset being the foundation of all success and is also the foundation of all failure. And the reason why that matters, Tina, is because the way that we see ourselves in the mirror pretty much colors everything that happens in our lives. It colors how we deal with what other people say and do towards us. It colors how we present ourselves. It colors what we do, what we say, how we put ourselves out there to the world, what we ask for, what we accept, and what we are unwilling to accept. So it will always come back to how are you looking at you? And confidence comes from discipline. And if you've had the discipline and you've done the work, then the next step is doing the work and building up your confidence and building up what Tina sees in the mirror so that you believe that you are this person that everybody else believes that you are. And the reason why this is urgent and the reason why it matters is because there are people out there who will look at you and see a better version of you than what you see. And they're the people who will tell you, hey, you know, put a, put a zero behind that number that you're asking for on your price because you're actually better than what you're asking for. But there are also there's also a contingent of people out there, Tina, to be honest, who they're going to look at what you're asking for and the way you present yourself. I'm just using this as an example. here. I'm not saying this is you, but use, they will look at you and say, listen, if this if somebody's only asking for this much, then I'm going to think that they're probably not that good because I'm looking for something that costs at least this much. And again, I'm just using that as an example because I think everybody can relate to and understand it. It's like if I'm looking for an Airbnb, I was actually looking at one yesterday and there was Airbnbs for, I was looking for a week long Airbnb and there were some that were $1,000, $1,200. And that was about what I expected to pay. Then I saw one that was $445. I said, right, this has to be a dump. I, I'm not even looking at it because, because of what they're asking for. So oftentimes we think that we need to make ourselves lower so that we're more uh, palatable to other people. But often there's a whole contingent of people who want to see the high priced thing, metaphorically speaking. They want to see someone who carries themselves like a high priced individual because that's the only thing they respect. And that's the thing that they want. And those are probably the people you want to be dealing with anyway. Does that help? Thousand percent. It's got me thinking Payless, Walmart or Gucci. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with any of them, but where are you? <laughs> exactly. And here's the thing, Tina, if everybody in the world bought based on price, then Walmart would be the only store that we needed because they got the lowest prices. But why do we have the design district in Miami? Right? Why do we have uh, all these fashion stores? We have them because there are people who want to pay more. So just that metaphor there, again, we're using money here, but we're talking about confidence, but that metaphor is perfect. <laughs>
Fire, fire. I think this is my first time hearing you speak. I love it. Thank you, Dre. Well, I'm glad you were here. Thank Great you. Great photo, too. <laughs> I appreciate you. All right, so we got... Hey, Sarkina, who's that? This is Monica. Don't miss out. Do not sleep on Dre's text community. Man text a, a thought-provoking text every single day. Get on it. How do I do uh, that, Dre? Yeah. I'll put it in the chat. I'll put the number in there for my... Uh, that's my daily motivation chat, that text that I send out uh, every morning for free to anyone who would like to receive it up. It's in the chat now. Number is 305-384-6894. Anybody who wants to get that text. One more time, please. One more time. What's that number? <laughs> 305-384-6894. It's in the chat. I just put it in the chat so everybody has it. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, for the plug. All right. So anybody else want to add a, a question, comment, anything to what we were talking about here? And I'm going to make sure I take notes to, I'm going to do my uh, imposter syndrome topic. I think that'd be a good one for BWC sometime in the future. So I'm going to take notes, to make sure I'm prepared to talk about that. All right. So if sure. someone else about to speak up. Yeah. Um, good morning. My name is Suzanne Stewart. Hey, Suzanne. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying listening. I appreciate what you're saying. And um, definitely about the when you're prepared and you kind of get into autopilot, it leaves room for spontaneity and leaves room for um, new thoughts. And yeah, really, I can recognize that. And I'm, I'm definitely seeing where I need to prepare more um, in different ways. And I think sometimes I'm, my question is where to narrow down and prioritize. Cause sometimes in the overwhelm of what I see, I, I could be better prepared at. I freeze up because I don't know where to start. <laughs> and then I'm mm. like, mm. so that's, yeah. I think for that's me, keeping question. the priorities. Okay. What kind of work do you do? Um, I'm an artist and I teach art. Um, I run an art club and I also sell my original paintings and uh, do murals. So I, it's a variety of things as a visual artist. Um, Okay. So Suzanne, when you talk about preparation, what kind of preparation are you talking about? What are you preparing for that you find yourself kind of trying to figure out? <laughs> I think taking care of my finances is the, um, that, and then, um, thinking ahead for future shows, uh, mural opportunities. Um, like I won a grant last year for a mural because I really did do the work and prepared for this, um, you know, the, the grant, um, mm -hmm. and, and that felt really good. And it was my first time doing that. Um, but it was, I think it really did come down to, I don't think other people took the time to actually try. Um, yeah, exactly. That's usually, <laughs> that's usually separation right there. Yeah. So, yeah. but, um, mm -hmm, because there's a lot out there and it's, um, for me, I'm trying all the things to create my income while doing what I love. Um, okay. I think I yeah. think I got it. So the first thing is when it comes to any kind of preparation for anybody, regardless of their line of work, Suzanne, is just to work backwards. So look at where you would like to be. Let's just, even when we gave you a short goalpost, let's just say a year from now, next Christmas, 2023, where would you like to be in your business? And then you ask yourself the following question. What would need to be true for that to happen? And that's the question. What would need to be true 
for a year from now, I have X, Y, Z, whatever the things are you would want in place in your business. Then when you, you come up with an answer to that question, what would need to be true? Then you ask the question again, for those things to be in place, what would need to be true? You answer the question again, and, and then you ask it again, what would need to be true for those things to be in place? Ask it again. Keep asking this question and keep working backwards, Suzanne, until you get from where you want to be until you get to today. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Dre. No, and I. Yes. the funny thing is, is we're, I'm just so easy to forget. I have been through coaching before, and that is something that someone has um, worked with me, and I just, yeah, it's a really good reminder. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have to take some reflection time and sit down and, and work on that. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And that, that reflection time that you're talking about, Suzanne, and this is for everybody, that's the preparation. So when it comes to uh, planning out where we're going to be, this is something that I tell my audience all the time. I'm a big goals person. So I write out goals for the week, the month, the year, and in advance. So 2023, I'm already deep into writing out goals for next year. And this is that time that we spend planning because all a goal is, is a plan for future success. So I think everybody who's in here plans on being successful in the future. So since we plan on being successful or we expect to be successful, then we need to write out a plan for our success. And that's all a goals list is, is a plan of the success you're going to have in the future that has not yet happened. So this is, and this is also why when we plan for our success consciously, because writing goals is a conscious thing. We're consciously thinking about, I want to do this. I want to make this much money. I want to have this car. I want to move to this house. I want to get this degree. I want to get this certification. All these things that we want to do. We're consciously thinking about it. The more work we do consciously now, the less work we have to do consciously in the future. And this is where our subconscious can come into work. This is where things like those serendipitous situations. So if you plan on things like, hey, I want to meet this person and that person. I remember actually two years ago when I first got introduced to Breakfast with Champions, I did not know that this community existed. Uh, my friend Patricia Wooster, who many of you know, she does a lot of segments with uh, Amelia. She, I had met Patricia through, we were just talking about books one day on Clubhouse in a different room. She was in a room, me and Patricia connected. We started talking and Patricia said, she had put it on. She said, Dre, I just got connected with these people called Breakfast with Champions. You ever heard of them? I said, no, I have not. She said, well, this is a guy named Glenn Lundy. And Glenn is on her list because I had been talking about the Dream 100, which is basically a list of people who you like to collaborate with and just work with in some way. And she said Glenn was on her Dream 100. So she was really excited. Hey, we're going to get introduced to this Breakfast with Champions. I want you to do a room with me. So me and Patricia were actually doing rooms together about a year or so ago on Breakfast with Champions. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to say this, when you do your, and that was like a serendipitous thing that she got connected with BWC and that's how I got introduced to BWC. And now here we are, is that when you do the conscious work ahead of time, the serendipitous things, the happenstance things, the quote unquote lucky things start happening. But you have to do the mental work ahead of time. This is where things that people talk about the law of attraction, which gets bastardized. But the how the law of attraction actually works is when you've consciously thought about the things that you want and you have put yourself in a state of feeling like the things that you want. What happens is it activates you to start taking actions that you don't even always realize are moving you towards the things that you want. And that's how these things start happening. But you have to consciously do the work up front so that the subconscious can do the rest of the work. Both have a role. 
conscious has a role. The subconscious has a role. It's just like on a, a basketball team. The players have a role. The coaches have a role. The towel boy has a role. The water boy has a role. Everybody has a role. And if anyone doesn't play their role, then everybody else can't play their role. So that's why that doing that conscious work of setting goals and thinking about what you want and what's going to need to be true. What has to be true for that? What has to be true for that? All of that is part of the mental work that we do up front so that the subconscious can go to work and the universe can go to work and, and look and whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, what did Napoleon Hill call it? Cosmic habit force. All of that stuff can go into work and start working on your behalf. All of those things are real, but they don't get activated until we do our jobs. So hopefully that's useful for someone in here. Uh, we got a few more minutes here. Anyone else? Question, comment, concern, addition to the topic. Somebody say something. <laughs> so I really appreciate what you said about um, put yourself in like feeling how it would feel to have have um done it mm -hmm. and go from there because that i think that we don't do that <laughs> right it's more just the fear that you're feeling about not doing it so i would rather right. live in the other spot <laughs> right and emotions are magnetic all emotions are magnetic yeah. so an emotion of fear attracts whatever you're afraid of an emotion of anticipation is the same thing as an emotion of fear. Fear is just anticipation of a negative thing. What we usually call anticipation is usually we're thinking about a positive thing, right? Something that we want, but whatever energy you put yourself into a state of, and any of us can do this at any time, it's just, we don't do it. We get into the routine of our days. You put yourself into the energy state of how you're going to feel when you achieve your outcome. It increases the chances of you achieving it because now you're in a certain state and you take different actions when you're in a different state of energy. I think we all can agree to that. And we do things differently we're in a, when we're in a different state of energy. So that's why getting into that state of energy matters so much. This is why many people start their days with meditation or doing something like yoga or thankfulness exercises. Why do we do or mindfulness? Why do we do this? Because it puts us in a state of mind and a state of energy that basically flavors the actions that we take. The same actions with a different energy produce different results. This is the being, doing, and the having in that order. Uh, unfortunately, many people spend their lives doing, 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 doing. They never get into the being, and then they wonder why all the stuff that they're doing does not lead to the result that they want, even though they're working really hard, right? They spend their whole lives doing, but they never consider, who am I being while I'm doing these things? That's how the law of attraction actually works, is not just being, and then you get to the having. No, the doing still matters. It's just the being comes first. Then you do, then you get the results. It's just the order of operations that people get messed up. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Dre. I love it. Love hey. It. Hi, it's Dami again. I just want um, no. the, 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 the woman who spoke before about being a creative and artist and then. Um, yeah, that was know, Suzanne. 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 Yeah. That was awesome what she said, because it just got me thinking as well about what you had said in your last segment. Um, where you're asking yourself, you know, what what did I miss, right, from the beginning of the process? What what did I not pay attention to? And Suzanne, it just what what you said really reminded me of something that I often do as well, where you you know you do coaching or you read the books and you actually have the instructions and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So the reverse engineering of like this is you know the end result that I want. Let me go back to you know um, you know the, the the end of the process and then work backwards to this point. Um, and then you were like, oh, I actually have that information, but I forgot about it. 
and now I'm reflecting on it. And so um, I, I'm doing the same thing now where I'm looking at like, okay, at the beginning of this process, what did I miss? And I forgot to implement some of the instructions and um the information that I already have and then you know just on um, you know being triggered by what you were saying Dre it now comes to the forefront and then we can redo that action so Dre any um, tips on how to you know keep hold of those um, like those tidbits um, the information that you already receive and implement it is there um, how do you c um, stay consistent with that type of information thank you you mean with like the things that we are thinking how do you kind of yes like how do you ingrain it into your yeah, mind yeah how do you ingrain it because i mean so otherwise we, it's kind of it feels a bit like a groundhog day where um so when <laughs> suzanne was like oh you know i, I have that information already but right. um let me go back and reflect on that and then utilize it again so at some point we stop taking those actions right that right. made it a habit so yes. yeah so around so, that area i'm not quite sure what the question is but i i know you sure I, I get your point thank you. so thank you. it's what we want to do is we want to get these things into our subconscious like, and uh, and i can end on this point here we got two minutes is that most of our actions are driven by our subconscious mind not by our conscious thinking conscious thinking is like uh, everybody here picture an elephant Everybody got a picture of an elephant in your mind? All right, that's conscious thought. Because I told you to think about it, you thought about it on purpose. Most of your actions are driven not by that. Your actions are driven by your subconscious thoughts. Those are the things you're not even aware that you're thinking, but you're thinking them. 85% of your thoughts are subconscious. So that's how we, that's where we want to get things. And things get into the subconscious only two ways, by repetition and by emotionalization of thought. One of two things. So everybody here can think of a highly emotionalized situation you've had in your life, positive or negative, those things are in your subconscious mind. It's almost, it almost ha only has to happen one time. Something that is highly emotionalized, like maybe a birth of a child or some trauma that you went through, or sometimes you're really happy, or sometimes you're really upset or really angry. Those things get into your subconscious because they're so highly emotionalized. The other way to get something into your subconscious is by repetition of conscious thought that's repetition that that's why we do things over and over and over again and the more you think about something the more it gets ingrained in your mind so those are the two ways to to do it to get something stuck in your mind and keep it there to answer your question there nami is you want to be repeating things to yourself on a daily basis this is why people do things like affirmations the purpose of the affirmation is to get it into your subconscious it's kind of like you go to the door and you knock on the door and nobody answers the door but you just keep knocking until somebody answers it all right, that's the subconscious mind is that door that you got to keep knocking on it with your conscious thoughts until the subconscious answers or if you're emotionalized you can just break the door down all right if you're emotionally strong enough you can break the door down because you no know, it's the house is on fire you got to get out you can break it down with one shot even though you normally couldn't break it down so that those are the two ways that you get something into your mind so either get emotional about it or repeat it or ideally do both